Welcome back to the Passport Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm Raquel. And Raquel, today we get to have a slightly different episode from what we've had in the past, mainly in topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited about this one because we've seen some feedback from a few of our participants wanting to know what are good ways to work through and deal with failure. And so we thought that this would be a great time to talk about a couple of different topics in relation to dealing with failure. One is resilience Mm -hmm. and then the other is grit. And I know you're really excited to talk about grit because Mm -hmm. of something you got to participate in not that long ago. So I'm going to talk about resilience first. And then uh, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about the topic of grit. So let's start at the beginning, though, because I think resilience can be misconstrued as a few different things. Mm -hmm. And I want to start with what exactly does resilience mean? So according to a Forbes article that was specifically referenced on Psych Central, which is a website, resilience is the capacity for stress-related growth. And I thought that was such a good way to explain resilience and also show that relationship between stress and growth, because Mm -hmm. we often have a tendency to kind of tense up when we talk about stress. It has a lot of really negative connotations and can have a lot of negative side effects on your mind and your body. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I often forget about stress, and I feel like other people have a tendency to forget this too, is it can be a really great trigger to examine your life, find the source of your stress, and figure out how you can make some small changes to manage and diminish your stress. I feel like I have to kind of toss in a little caveat here though. Stress is a very broad topic Mm -hmm. and you know there's there's little stresses that we can sometimes deal with and then there's large stresses that maybe take a little extra help. So I don't want to cast a wide net and say all stress is totally fixable if you do just these few things because that's not what we're going for here. Uh, But for those of you that have the ability to manage some of your stress, this is what we're talking about. And if you feel like, man, I just have no way to manage this, then maybe seek out some ways that you can get some additional help from other people, Mm -hmm. like a therapist or a friend that you can talk to, a huge advocate for therapy and the things that it can help you with. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just wanted to throw that in there before we really get into some nitty gritty details and talk about stress and resilience. Resilience is all about your stress response. So I kind of want to pose a question. Do you crumble, shut down, or lash out as a stress response? Or do you reflect and then take action? If you're asking me, Rachel, (laughs) I lash out first Mm. and then I reflect, oh, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm stressed about this. (laughs) And I think that's pretty common for a lot of people. I feel like We all have very different ways of responding to stress. 
And sometimes you can respond in the best way possible. And sometimes maybe you don't respond in the best way possible. So I feel like there's a lot of circumstances that play into your stress response. And you can do it in all of these ways. And you can do it in several more ways that we didn't even mention yet. But if if your first response most of the time is to do that crumble or shut down or lash out, then maybe just take a pause and think of some ways that you can respond better to that stress in your life. And that's where resilience comes in. So the the Psych Central article that I read in research for this episode, it references two different scenarios specifically for resilience. And one is major work and or life events or trauma. So that's Mm. one kind of scenario that maybe can build in some resilience. And then there's also the daily hassles and stressors. Mm. So again, kind of two sides of the pendulum here. But the part of this article that talks about this also references a couple of studies. And I found this really kind of fascinating because I think when you hear those two different kinds of scenarios, you assume that the former is probably the biggest indicator or the biggest impact on your health, whether that's physical or mental. But actually, these studies say, "Mm, maybe it's a little bit different. Uh, But one study says that the smaller or the daily stressors and hassles can have more of an overall effect on your mental health and your physical health than those major life events. So I really thought that was interesting for one. Uh, And then another study that was done in 2013, it says that exposure to chronic frequent negative emotion paired with the inability to process daily stress takes a very long-term toll on our mental health. Wow. I don't think that's a huge surprise to anybody, but it's a great reminder to examine your stress response process and work on that if you don't have a a good working process to make sure that you are working through that stress. So it's super important that we put a resilience practice in our day-to-day lives and manage that stress well instead of letting it build up and take over our lives. So now that we've addressed some of these things up top, How in the world can we build our resilience? And there's a few different things. And specifically, uh, there were a few things referenced in this article that I want to call to your attention. But I think one thing to remember is specifically around the topic of failure, which was one of our uh, requested topics that we talk about on the podcast. Resilience and failure are pretty much sisters. So... Our resilience is rooted in how we respond to our stress and also our failures. Mm. So I'm going to pose this question, and Raquel, you definitely don't have to answer it. (laughs) (laughs) Just some things to to get some brain juices rolling. But how do you respond to stress and failure? Does it make you upset or cringe just to think about it? Or do you take it as a learning experience to help you know how to do things differently in the future? Mm. And as I'm thinking through some of these questions, I have a a Thomas Edison quote that comes to mind. I am not the biggest Thomas Edison fan. (laughs) I think there's a lot of reasons to think critically about him. But Mm -hmm. 
there is one quote that I do really appreciate. It's a great example of how we should approach our own failures. So he was asked the question once, uh, how did you feel to fail? Um, specifically at inventing the light bulb a thousand times. <laughs> and I, I love his response. It's, I didn't fail a thousand times. The light bulb was an invention with 1,000 steps. Okay. <laughs> and I think it's often misquoted as, I just found a thousand ways not to invent the light bulb, which it accomplishes the same mm -hmm. thing. So when we look at our failures, try to look at them as opportunities. It's so much easier for us to get back on the horse and try again when we frame it that way, instead of getting lost in that failure and letting that define our self-worth. If we say, this didn't work this time, let's try it a different way next time. That leaves you open to more resilience. And I just want to put mm -hmm. in here that, you know, people don't talk about their failures. All you mm -hmm. hear for the most part is their successes, how they did this, how they excelled at this. You don't hear all the hundreds or thousands of times they tried, but they didn't get there. So I think sometimes we have to keep that in mind because maybe you're just going through a personal failure or a professional failure mm -hmm. and, and you're seeing all these other people succeed, but you don't know how many times they went through that failure. Just wanted to pop that in there. Yes, you're absolutely right. So I, I think that's so important to keep in mind. And I also know that it's so much easier said than done. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> you know, it's it's so easy to say, well, next time I fail, I'm just going to look at it as an opportunity. And then when you get to that failure, you just automatically feel that pull to start beating mm -hmm. yourself up all over again because you failed, <laughs> whether yep. it's a first time failure or it's a hundred time failure. Mm -hmm. It's never easy to deal with that situation. So what I really liked about this article was it gave you some really practical tips to help build up that resilience. So when you had failures or stress and you wanted to change your response to it, these resources are going to help you do so. Okay. So I only pulled out a few. Uh, if you want to check out the full article, I think there's 11 tips in total okay. and they all look really good. Uh, I'll make sure to have the link available in the description for our podcast so you can go mm -hmm. check that article out yourself. Um, but these were the three that really resonated with me. And the first one is to add to your coping resources. And what that means is when you identify your common stressors, or failures that really frustrate you, engage in activities that can help you deal with that stress. So things like a mindfulness practice, like maybe doing some yoga or some meditation, or just ways to clear your mind and put that stress or failure aside. Uh, other things too, you can also do something you enjoy. If that's something as simple as taking a walk or reading a book that you like. Um, I mean, there's so many different things that you can probably pull from your own lists of things that you like to do that help you cope with stress. But just remember, when you're in the thick of it, that's when you want to go to those things that can help you cope. And then the last uh, example or idea that I have is talk to someone you trust about it, a friend, a family member. Getting it out in the open is huge for making that stress and failure seem like less stress or less of a failure. 
Thing number two that I pulled out of this article was identify an immediate action that you can take to combat that stressor or situation. So for example, if you're really stressed about your health in particular, you can take a small action step by making your next meal a healthy one or engaging in a small exercise activity along as long as those things are okay with your doctor. Uh, I want to just, again, take a little caveat and say, I am not a doctor and I am not a therapist. <laughs> so I can't say blanket statement that this will work for everybody uh, at every stage in your health journey, but know that as long as that's okay for your again, medical health journey, these things will help you. Mm -hmm. Taking small action steps can go a very long way in helping you deal with that stress and building up your resilience. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing, and it's, it's no surprise that uh, this is going to be part of this podcast, mainly because we're really close to Thanksgiving when mm -hmm. we are recording and releasing this episode. But Developing a good gratitude practice in your daily life also helps you build up that stress resilience. It helps your mental state focus on the things that you appreciate or that are thankful for instead of things that aren't going so well or things that you haven't yet achieved. Uh, gratitude and resilience are also sisters. The more grateful you are, the more resilience you have. Uh, I, I really like highlighting that relationship between gratitude and resilience because yeah. it's so easily forgotten. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to get caught up in the negative and focusing on things that we, again, haven't achieved yet or have failed at. And when we remember to be grateful, then that resilience just blossoms. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's lots more practical tips on that Psych Central article. So again, Make sure to check out the description box on this podcast if you want to know more of what's there. But there are also a couple of other great resilience resources available. And the latest one that I saw is cool because it's actually a Nelnet resource. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the latest Nelnet wellness newsletter is actually all about building resilience. So happy accident that we're talking <laughs> about it on the podcast yeah. and we have this great resource available. So I would definitely suggest that you go out to our wellness website and check out that newsletter. But here's a sneak peek if you want to know what's in there. Uh, it covers great topics like building resilience by serving others, how to be resilient when your stress is higher than normal, which is so important. <laughs> and then also how to be mindful and using meditation specifically while you're at work. So uh, definitely log into your wellness account to check that out. And then other things that you can do, talk to someone. I've already mentioned this, but, you know, sometimes it's important to talk to a trusted friend or family member. And sometimes it's important to talk to someone who is maybe in a better position, less biased, more trained to help you through your stressful situations or failures. As a Nelnet associate, you have access to the Employee Assistance Program, which mm -hmm. can connect you to telecounseling services that can help you work through some of those things. So take advantage of that service. And then the last resource I have is Brene Brown. This is a person. I love her. <laughs> but she is a researcher and author who has a lot of great material on the topic of resilience. If you've read anything by her, then I would say most likely you love her as well. But she's got some great books available, uh, specifically, again, on resilience and vulnerability. So here's just a few suggestions if you are an avid reader. 
Uh, Dare to Lead. This was one of our career passport books mm -hmm. this year, last year, and the first year. <laughs> it's a three-peat because it's really that good. Uh, and that book has a lot of information about dealing with failure, dealing with stress, being vulnerable, and also uh, applying that to your leadership skills. Yeah. Other books, too, The Gifts of Imperfection. We actually covered this one as an NBS book club book, yeah. but there are 12 great guideposts all throughout that book to help you cultivate resilience and live authentically and mm -hmm. love that book. It's so yes. good, and it's short. It's such a yeah. quick read. <laughs> it's yep. deep, but it's quick. And then the last one is I Thought It Was Just Me, But It Isn't. And that book is a bit more about comparison, but comparison also oh, factors sure. in when you're talking about things like resilience, bouncing back, dealing with stress and failure. So just another suggestion uh, on the Brene Brown reading list if you're interested in her. You, you pretty much can't go wrong if you're going to read something by Brene Brown. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, that covers the topic of resilience. So Raquel, I know you have some great things to share about grit. What is grit? Yes, definitely. Thanks, Rachel. Like you mentioned before, I recently had the opportunity to attend a conference where one of the keynote speakers was Angela Duckworth. And she is, among other things, the author of the book, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. So I feel like when we're discussing getting back up after we fail, the topic of grit really needs to come up. Now, according to Duckworth, grit is the perseverance and passion for long-term goals. And she goes on to say that grit isn't talent or luck or how badly you want something. It's about having what some researchers call an ultimate concern or a goal you care about so much that it organizes and gives meaning to almost everything that you do. So it's pretty deep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Grit is, is holding steadfast to that goal even when you fall down or when you screw up. Mm. And even when progress toward that goal is halting or slow. So no matter what, you're still aiming for that goal. You're still going for it. Another important note about grit is that it increases as you age because you might think that people born in a certain decade or part of a certain generation might have more grit than others because of what happened during that time, but that's not the case at all. It's not about when you were born. It's more about your life experiences. And this is sometimes referred to as the maturity principle. Mm. And that principle basically says that for most 20 to 65-year-olds, they tend to become more agreeable, responsible, and emotionally stable, and their personalities improve as they age. So grit comes along with age because of your life experiences. So I think we just kind of have to think about that. So there are two formulas that you can think about when you talk about grit. And the first one is talent times effort equals skill. And the second one is skill times effort equals achievement. So these formulas tell you that Talent isn't enough to be successful. Just having the talent is not enough. You have to put in the effort into cultivating and developing that talent until it actually becomes a skill. 
and that takes deliberate practice. Now, if we talk about talent versus skill, like talent, people would say that's something that you're born with. It's an innate gift, maybe a gift from God, but a skill is something that anybody can learn. Just through meticulous practice and application, you can learn a skill. So that's kind of the the definition of talent versus skill. And when we talk about deliberate practice, let's talk about singing as an example. <laughs> now, <laughs> I don't know about you, Rachel, but I, I have definitely watched at least one episode or seasons of American Idol oh, yes. or, <laughs> or another show with the same concept. Mm -hmm. They're trying to find that one in a million talent and turn them into a megastar. So there are a lot of contestants that go on shows like that with amazing raw talent. Mm -hmm. When those contestants are able to make it through to the next rounds, you see how they become even better at singing and performing. The show is forcing that deliberate practice. They're allowing contestants to practice with 100% focus. They also pair them up with a coach who's able to give them feedback, and they're given time to reflect on that feedback and practice again, and on and on with that deliberate practice cycle. Mm -hmm. So when you can take talent and develop it into a skill and get the proper training, you get closer and closer to achieving your goals and dreams, just like the contestants on those types of reality shows. So grit enters the story where you actually don't see it. Now, this could be the first or 100th time a person has entered a singing competition. What kept these people going is their grit, their sustained passion and perseverance for long-term goals. And, and that's why it's so important to remember that, you know, failure is definitely a part of success. You have to just keep going. And that's where your level of grit comes into play. Well, and I think that's such an excellent example because so many of those people on those shows like American Idol or any other talent competition get passed on to the next round and the next round, but there's only one person who wins. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the rest of the people aren't talented. It just no. means they have to keep honing their craft. Exactly. That could be the first time they went through a competition or the hundredth time. It's just, it, that's just part of success. You have to go through that. So yeah, definitely not because they're not talented. For sure. So the good thing, Rachel, is that you can actually build up this grit yourself. And I came across an article online that kind of tells you five ways that you can do that. So first, they recommend that you have to pursue something you're interested in. So what are you curious about? What are you passionate about? You might not have something in mind right now, but that's okay. You have to sometimes get out there and try different things, whether it's a new hobby or something at work. Pursue something that is interesting to you. So that's the first step. Mm -hmm. Think of something that you're interested in. Then once you find that thing, you have to practice. Mm. <laughs> the grittiest of people will want to improve. They're never good enough. Professional athletes, professional musicians, professional performers, they all practice like no one else. They get better every day. So that's their goal is just to get better than they were the last time. So that's the second step. The third thing that you can do to build your grit is to connect with a higher purpose. 
Now this means you have to kind of take a step back and see how what you do contributes to the well-being of others. Mm. Do some reflection on how what you're doing is benefiting others around you. And this will also help you to enjoy what you are doing more. So yeah, you're interested in it. You're curious about it. You're practicing, you're practicing, but how does it affect others? That's going to help build your grit. And then the next thing is reaching your goals requires that you believe that it's possible. So this means that you have to cultivate hope. And that's where having a growth mindset is so important when we talk about grit. Now, I'll kind of segue into what a growth mindset is, mm. um, but it maybe you've heard this before, maybe this is your first time, but it's a concept that was developed by psychologist Carol Dweck. This is the belief that humans can change and that intelligence and talent are just the starting point. Having a growth mindset means that you believe intelligence can be developed and challenges are embraced. So instead of thinking that, you know, this is as smart as I'm ever going to get, this is as good as I'm ever going to get, or not embracing challenges. So you ignore challenges instead of embracing them and understanding that the challenges can make you better. So that's kind of the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And I love Carol Dweck too, because she has this excellent TED talk out there. Mm. I don't remember the exact title of it, but it talks about your mindset and having a growth mindset. Uh, But specifically her story is she is an education researcher where Mm -hmm. she was researching different like groups of children to see how quickly they would give up on something. And Mm -hmm. there were kind of two different groups. One group of children would give up pretty quickly because this was surprising to me. It was a new task. They knew nothing about it and they were already good at doing a lot of different things. So because of that, when they were set up with this new task that they didn't know much about, they immediately wanted to go back to things that they were already good at. Whereas (laughs) kids that had that growth mindset, they said, no, I want to, I want to work on this till I can tackle it. So um, I thought that was just such an interesting result of that study and why having a growth mindset or a, I think she called it a not yet mindset was so interesting. Yeah, definitely. I can totally see that. And if you kind of reflect on it about yourself, like, would you say that you were maybe in like a not growth mindset, but have aged and matured into having a more growth mindset? I think I would. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. I think that comes with maturity, like you were talking about just before. But yeah, I mean, it also comes with some experience too. Like some kids Mm -hmm. just have it. Some kids have that growth mindset, that tenacity to keep going for it. Some kids don't, but it doesn't mean that they can't acquire it. Definitely. And humility too. Mm. Like you just, you can't go out there thinking that you're already the best or you know how to do everything. Or just because you have a little bit of talent, you're better than people who have been practicing at that skill for decades. So I think it all comes in balance. But she also says that people that have that growth mindset believe that, you know, their most basic skills and abilities can be developed through dedication and hard work. And I think that's where all that comes in. So Rachel, I really love this quote from Carol Dweck. She states that in a growth mindset, people believe that their most basic abilities can be developed through dedication and hard work. 
having this view creates a love of learning and a resilience that is essential for great accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I, I really lean in towards that uh, love of learning. I would call myself a learner. That's one of my top uh, strengths. And so I really resonate with that because I, I love to learn new things. And sometimes the best learning comes through those unfortunate failures. Now I know what I need to do to not fail the next time. Mm -hmm. So that's just something that maybe we can all think about a little bit. And finally, the fifth thing that you can do to build your grit is to surround yourself with gritty people. (laughs) Sounds kind of funny. (laughs) So the more you surround yourself with the type of person that you want to become, the more their good habits and their values are going to rub off on you. So they'll give you the positive peer pressure that you need to grow or develop that grit that you're seeking. I I felt very fortunate to uh, sit in her presence, Angela Duckworth's presence, and she gave an awesome talk about grit. I think her TED Talk is one of the most viewed TED Talks on YouTube to date. Mm. So if you can go out there on YouTube and search Angela Duckworth grit, you'll probably find it. But she was a teacher. She's a researcher. She is an entrepreneur. And I I just love everything she had to say about what grit is. I, I like that, you know, you don't have to be born the most talented. You just have to know what you want and not stop until you get it. And to kind of close this talk about grit. I'll share a quote from author Jonah Lehrer, and he says, grit is the stubborn refusal to quit. All great points, Raquel, and such just such a great reminder of why we should always have that growth mindset and be working to build up our resilience and mm-hmm. our stress responses, because it's so easily forgotten. Like, <laughs> I... Yeah. I get on autopilot so often and just go with my first reaction when I'm in a difficult situation. And so mm-hmm. it, it it takes work to remember to employ some of those strategies and not just want to give up or quit or, yeah. you know, do, do something rash in those uh, circumstances. So. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode on resilience and grit and that you are able to take something away. Definitely. If you have other ways that you like to build up your resilience or uh, expand your growth mindset, then post them in our team's channel. We always like to hear from you. And we just want to say thanks for listening. We always appreciate it. And we will catch you in our next episode. Bye.